CrossPolitik begins in three, two, one. We don't have a whole bunch of time for all of that. That's Gabe. That's Pastor Toby. I'm the Chocolate Knox. <laughs> this is not what we discussed. What? This is not what we discussed. Like, hey y'all, welcome share, to Cross Politics. You know who we are. <laughs> you, it's my job. You, you know what we do. Like, hey. share the show. You know why? We have Pastor Greg Johnson on, and we hey. talked to him for a while. That's right. Hey, guys, this is actually a special episode. This is a big issue Buckle up. inside the church. A big issue for LGBT is actually very connected to the race issue that we've been yep. experiencing. Hey, yeah, we want to get to the show. We and, get to the this show. is the reason why we really would love for you guys to join our club. Like and share. These kind of shows are very important Go for to our church. It's way join down. if you want more of this. Yep. Yep. We would love your support. Are you ready? Buckle up, baby. Buckle it's up. about to happen. Here we go. Pastor Greg Johnson. Really grateful to have with us on this segment, Pastor Greg Johnson. Greg Johnson is lead pastor of Memorial Presbyterian Church, which is a PCA congregation PCA. in St. Louis, Missouri, where he has served on pastoral staff since 2003. He holds a BA from the University of Virginia, an MDiv from Covenant Theological Seminary, and a PhD in historical theology from St. Louis University. He's author of the book The World According to God: A Biblical View of Culture, Work, Science. Sex and everything else. It's from InterVarsity Press, 2002. <laughs> it's a really long book. Yeah, everything um, else. <laughs> and he loves cities, cats, architecture, and <clears throat> especially. Uh-oh. He's a cat person. Cat. Uh oh. <laughs> oh, see, we got a problem right there, Pastor. Especially <laughs> the good news that God favors sinners like us. Greg, thank you so much for being on Cross Politic. Oh, thanks for having me. Hope we can find something to talk about. Uh, you know, <laughs> them cats. You know, cats. <laughs> we'll talk about the cat, cat problem. Uh, no, I think we do have something to talk about. Yeah. Um, so um, let me frame this really quickly for anybody that's just joining us. Um, uh, Memorial Presbyterian Church is sponsoring a conference called Revoice uh, yeah. later this month in July, and um, we um, we found out about it here on Cross Politics. We, we've been talking about it a little bit on Cross Politics, yep. and. Just to just to review for people on um, the the you know the central um, tagline um, that um, that's on the website says uh, supporting encouraging and empowering gay lesbian same sex attracted and other LGBT Christians so they can flourish while observing the historic Christian doctrine of marriage and sexuality and um, it's it's been our conviction and and uh, that that this is a really um, troubling and problematic thing and so part of that was yeah. uh, so we've been talking about it we've been reading about it I've, I've interacted with um, uh, Ron uh, Beljow I don't know how you pronounce his name but a little bit online um, about it um, written a little bit about it and then we put up a um, a parody website about a week ago um, revoice.xyz and um, it's got over and, 200 shares on okay, Facebook. It's, it's, and, and, yeah. But the, the point of it, and uh, there's an essay that I wrote on there where we wanted to just um, highlight what we thought were some really troubling um, aspects of what was being um, promulgated by this conference. And so um, it was through that that um, we were able to get in touch with Greg on, on Twitter, I think. And yeah. um, and, I th- yeah. and I think, and so we want to we want to have a family conversation family with, meeting. With, with Greg. So family we, meeting, everybody. we are, um, we are, um, we are Christians. We are in Christ. Um, we, we love the PCA actually. Um, yeah. I think at least Gabe and I both have um, deep roots in the PCA. My wife grew up in the PCA. I went to yeah. a PCA sponsored Christian right. school. Um, Gabe, I, was, I was baptized in the PCA, yeah. I was. Um, uh, I went to PCA, also PCA school. Yeah. I grew up. I was in PCA for about seventeen years. My uncle, yeah, went to RTS Jackson. There you go. So not, mean, not Covenant yeah. Seminary. We don't get much more yeah. true blue PCA than that, right? Yeah, RTS Jackson. All this to so. say, we love the PCA. We love the brothers and sisters there. We have friends. Um, we have family in the PCA, and so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have this conversation. So yeah. I want to. I want to kind of jump into the deep end. Um, Greg, and I hope you'll 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 go with me. You'll you'll roll with it, um, and and that is um, the the central question that we wanted to raise with the the parody site is um, would it, if you were asked your your church is hosting this Revoice conference, and I understand that um, you're not you know you're not running every bit of it, but you're hosting it. You're um, and, and you're speaking there. If you were asked, if if the elders of Memorial Presbyterian were asked to host a similar conference um, that would support, encourage, and empower um, pedophile Christians, 
uh, people who are attracted to children sexually so that they could flourish while observing the historic Christian doctrine of marriage and sexuality. Do you think that you would seriously consider that request? You know, it's an interesting question. If you're talking about people who have, you know, sexual brokenness and they're committed to Christ, they're not acting on it, maybe they're taking, you know, chemical castration drugs, uh, you know, they, they're, they're being monitored, and they really want to know, hey, how can I walk with Jesus? Um, I think I think we'd definitely consider taking them in and, and, and providing a safe place for that conversation. Uh, you know, obviously there are differences and similarities between same-sex attraction and those who are sexually attracted to children. Um, you know, the, the difference is there's, you know, obviously where children are involved, there's a huge power differential. You know, it's kind of an intrinsic distinguishing factor between pedophilia and same-sex attraction. Uh, a child is never able to give consent, and so with pedophilia, you're, you're really talking about rape in every instance. And, uh, you know, and there's, there's certainly, it's never appropriate to have even non-sexual intimacy with a child that's not in your family. And so, yeah, there are, there are differences. Uh, you know, same-sex attraction is a disordering of friendship. We were made to have friends, uh, brothers, uh, band of brothers, so to speak. And, you know, homosexuality is a disordering that by, by let me, let me can I Can I pause you right there quick, Greg? Um, okay. Uh, just that one line. Um, I, I just want to push back a little bit. So um, the idea that same-sex attraction is a disordering of friendship. Um, I, I look in like a place like Romans 1 where it Paul brings up homosexuality. And what he says there is that um, men and women, um, when God gives them over to their sin, when they reject God, their creator, and when God gives them over to their sin and gives them over to futility of mind and so forth, it says that they turn from, they give up the natural use of the other sex and turn to homosexuality. Um, it, it seems to me that um, the biblical um, testimony is that same-sex attraction is not a disordering of friendship. It's actually a disordering of the heterosexual orientation that God has given every human being, because that's what Romans 1 says. Well, it's both. I mean, it, it's, it's... Where, where could you point to that... Could you point to somewhere where it says that it's a... It's a uh, in the Bible where it talks about homosexual temptation as being a disordering of friendship? No, but I can tell you that in the Reformed tradition, our understanding, going back to Augustine, is that sin is the privation of the good. And any time you're looking at a propulsion to sin, uh, you can step back and say, okay, what is being disordered here? What is being deformed here? Because we're all deformed. Sure. None of us is as we were intended to yeah. be. We're all broken. Sure. Amen. And, uh, and, that is, and that's a, a serious issue. But, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you look at Romans 1, and... You know, it's all humanity uh, that has committed idolatry. It's all humanity, therefore, that is handed over. And there are actually three things to which we're handed over. It's a, a, a phrase that's used three times in Romans 1. And the first one is that humanity is handed over to sexual sin, and it's just a generic one. The lusts of our heart can act it out. Mm -hmm. And that, that gets all of us. And then the second one is you know, specifically lesbian and gay sex among men. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is that we're handed over to a depraved mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you look at the depraved mind, and he gives examples of slandering people, misrepresenting their perspective. He gives examples of not showing mercy to fellow sinners. He lists 22 sins, and the last one is a lack of mercy. And so, uh, you know, I, I think, are there differences, to get back to your question, between, you know, pedophilia and homosexuality, yes, there are differences. There's a power differential. There's the issue of consent. There's the issue of whether it's ever appropriate to have intimacy with a child that's not in your family. But I guess also to kind of bring up that argument, uh, to kind of bring up that argument that, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Greg, to bring up that argument that there's differences, there's a power play difference, there's, uh, we're making certain assumptions about homosexuality that are, there's positive what? things to being homosexual versus there's negative things to being a, identified as a pedof pedophile. Does that make sense? Yeah, and there are differences. There are also similarities. Mm -hmm. uh, they are both 
disordered sexuality and and I think you know we could we could even say intrinsically disordered I guess what I'm trying to get at though is and what we're trying to ask is is um, is something like is this conference and this movement in general is it doing something with homosexual temptation that we don't do with any other kind of sinful temptation like you know we're also told right now I mean the media is constantly telling us that America is full of racists full of white supremacists alt-right whatever where are all the where are all the PCA conferences reaching out to those who are tempted to white supremacy I mean would you well, I would hope every one of our congregations is doing that uh, because we've got congregations that I mean I'm I'm a racist I was I was I was trained and raised in a racist ethos. You're not making me feel comfortable, Greg. <laughs> Just want you to know that right now. But I mean, the reality is, the reality is, I experience, and I've confessed this from the pulpit. We've got you know a, a church with a lot of different kinds of people in it, and 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 you know, I was raised in a context where um, there was always an empathy gap, where if I hear of you know a kid who uh, you know was was involved in a, a a drug crime and ended up you know you know pulling out a gun i immediately go to justice lock him away you know bring out the cops until i hear that he is a white 18 year old kid with blonde hair and freckles wearing a letter jacket from a prep school and then i think man what did his parents do wrong how has he not been loved and cared for and 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 how can we help him change and the difference is that empathy gap, and that is racism. And I think all of our churches need to be addressing that head on. Because but but here's it's the difference: we breathe. The difference, Greg, though, is is that um, it's being thoroughly and full throatedly condemned. Racism. Nobody is nobody's giving room for anybody to say, you know, I, I, I you know, I'm, I, I'm just part. I'm a, I'm a white supremacist. I don't act on it. Because that would be sinful. But, you know, I just am in the culture of white supremacy. And there's, you know, there's some some kind of intrinsic good to the culture of white supremacy. And so we all want to get together and we want to support and encourage and empower white supremacist Christians so they can flourish. while I, I just can't imagine that ever happening in a million years. Yeah, well, well, let me give you some other examples. Um, for example, um, let's look at alcoholism, drunkenness is a sin. Uh, it's, it's repeatedly condemned in the Bible, and, and in our churches, we've done, certainly in Reformed circles, we love our Christian freedom, we, we, we love, you know, the scotch, we love the gin, we love mm. the beer. Amen. But, uh, you know, it, a lot of us take it too far. We get, we, we have problems with alcoholism, we have problems with drunkenness. And, uh, you know, there's a guy in my church who, he has been sober for 18 years, hasn't had a drink in 18 years, absolutely an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. He will tell you he's an alcoholic. Now, he's not saying I'm identifying with my sin because I want to bow down to it. He is identifying with his sin, in that instance, drunkenness, because it's such a part of his story and it's a calling that he has. Another example, one of the sins of Sodom in Ezekiel 16 was the sin of overeating. Uh, literally, behold, this was the sin of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness. Yeah, come on. I'm for a sorry. Christian, well, let me, let me make my point. I for will. Go ahead, Greg. For a Christian to say, because I've listened to y'all talk a whole lot on well, several episodes. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for thank for you. a Christian to identify as an overeater, uh, to have a conference for people who are overeaters, uh, uh, that is not saying they're building their identity on their sin. That's saying that they have a calling to deal with a struggle, an aspect of their brokenness that is sin when they engage in it, but uh, they're trying to break uh, free. Absolutely, and and that's why it, part of this debate, everything matters on the difference between a noun and an adjective. As a noun, I am I'm identifying that. I am a gay Christian um, or saying as an adjective that I have struggled with homosexuality. It, it One's descriptive and one's naming. And that's why when Paul said such were some of you, he was saying, getting, get, get rid of that terminology because you're saved in Christ. That, that terminology no longer applies to you. So I'd, 
I'd have the same challenge to the guy but, but who the, identifies as an alcoholic. But the real, but the real deal, the real issue though is, is I, I hear you saying, yeah, we should have conferences about people who struggle with gluttony, or we should have conferences that people who struggle struggle with pornography or racism. But the deal, the thing that I don't, I don't know if you're you're, you're catching though is, I think in all of those other cases, it would be absolutely clear that everybody recognizes that this is. Um, absolutely a sin and something to be repented of yeah with compassion yeah with sympathy but it's something to be repented of but there are there's a talk for example on the website that said asks what queer treasure will be brought into the new jerusalem now it would be yeah, like, let's talk about that one but it would but it would it'd be, it'd be like saying you know what pedophile treasure would is going to be brought into the new jerusalem what white supremacist uh treasure is going to be brought into the new jerusalem yeah. and can i answer Please. Have you ever been to Natchez, Mississippi? Have you ever been to Charleston, South Carolina? Have I'm you ever done? welcome there. I, I've been to Charleston. I've been to Charleston. <laughs> I've been to Charleston. Yeah. You know, what, you know, in, in, in Revelation, you know, the, the vision at the end of the age is that every people group on earth bring their cultural treasures into the kingdom as tribute to offer them to God. You know, you've got, I wrote a, this is what. But there's no was. gay tribute. There's no gay tribute. Uh, well, well, let's talk about white supremacist tribute. I hope there's no white tri- supremacist tribute there. There's, Speaking yeah. as a black man. We had a culture <laughs> built. See, it's distinguishing between people who, who are enmeshed in the brokenness and what it looks like when God redeems them. There will be Southerners from the United States who, who are going to bring all of those plantation houses into the heavenly Jerusalem as tribute, but not their racism. It's going to be redeemed, but, but not, not their racism. Not with slaves in them, though, right? <laughs> no, no. That, that, <laughs> everything unclean is taken out. There are no no slavery. Right, but well, that's that's if, the point, though. If it's taken out, that if it's taken out, then why do you call it that? Why do you exactly? If you're taking out everything that's unclean, why would you name it by the uncleanness? But but see, you, you, okay. With the issue of terminology, Missouri Presbytery, the PCA, did a, a report, 350-some pages, uh, last year. We spent several years working on it. I wasn't on the committee, but it was. Uh, but we've handed it down as advice to our churches. And in the committee, we looked very carefully at the issue of terminology. Uh, we looked at West Hill. We looked at Rosaria and compared, you know, their various arguments for, for uh, using various terminology. And... And we concluded that um, so long as they are being clear about what they mean, and so long as what they mean lines up with a biblical ethic, that we, we, we advised our churches not to make an issue of terminology, but to look more at issues of substance and what people mean by that. But the Bible because does make an issue say, of the terminology. Um, you know, you can say, somebody can say, that they are a Christian and that their orientation is gay without building their identity on that. Because when you build your identity on it, it's what's defining you. Here, here's the example, though, Greg. In, in Revelation 22, when it's talking about the glory of the nations coming into the New Jerusalem, it actually explicitly says that the dogs will be outside. And that word dogs is basically equivalent to our modern word fags. It's, 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 a, it's a derogative term for homosexuals. No, for for a Jew, it meant unclean. It was an unclean animal. Right. It's yeah, but it's but it's t- specifically talking about homosexual prostitutes who are in pagan temples. Um, it's it's saying homosexuality is going to be outside. Yeah, First Corinthians six. Anybody who engages in any of those things, including slander, will be outside. There, there's no place in the kingdom. That's 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 the call to discipleship. That when Christ calls you, he he calls you into a changed life. And and when you're dealing with spiritual friendship guys, when you're dealing with, you know, the 400 people who are coming to Revoice in two weeks, you're dealing with people who every single day they deal with a disordered sexual temptation. They feel the shame of that. They believe the gospel. They are actively mortifying their temptations. They have given up, uh, you know, you, uh, you, they, they've given up sex, they've given up romantic relationships, they've given up right. porn, they're, right. they're struggling to get accountable, uh, they're, and in, whether they say, use the term gay, or whether they use the term same-sex attracted to describe their ongoing struggle, 
we don't think that that's an issue. So then why use the term gay? We're way less worried about semantics. But but that's the issue, though, is I guess those semantics are either they're loaded with um, moral (laughs) freight. And so the question like, you know, so the Bible over and over again calls homosexual temptation, homosexual lust. It calls it, you know, these are vile affections. These are degrading passions. These are abominations. These are perversions. Well, can I just jump in for a second real quick? Because when you say that, it just drives me nuts because here's the deal. If someone is saying, well, we don't argue over the semantics of racist, let me tell you something. If I'm going into a community where there are races, but we're not arguing over the semantics of it, yeah. I'm a little concerned because I kind of want to know yeah. what I'm dealing with. What do you mean? Well, they only mean it in their heart. They don't really act on it. Well, wh- huh? Wait, we don't use this kind of language for any other sin. And so- if you take something like racism... Where everybody's all like on tiptoe. Like, talk about the way our language is being policed right now. If I say yeah. anything that's a little bit off color, uh oh, I just said color. You better watch it. I know. <laughs> but, but nobody talks this way about any other sin, specifically the ones that we really care about when it comes to these other sins. Okay, well, can, I, can I address that? Absolutely. Okay. One thing you keep saying sins. Now you're talking about uh, um, when you're talking about somebody who struggles with same-sex attraction. Lust. They have a condition. Uh, same-sex attraction is not the same as then actively lusting with their mind. It's not the same, obviously, as acting it out either. Uh, but what we found when we looked at the way the term what? "gay" is being used in our culture, condition. we found that it is shifting in its lexical range. Uh, in the 1980s. 1990s even, definitely 1970s, when somebody said they were gay, that meant that they were having sex with other men. That meant that they uh, were part of a certain cultural movement. Uh, typically, it meant the big bushy mustache that now all the hipsters have. Uh, but but why what's happened in the last 15 years is the term itself in English has been shifting to mean non-straight. And... and, and <laughs> But that doesn't have any meaning. You go into a medical office and your doctor asks you, you know, on the paperwork, are you, are you straight? Are you gay? Are you bi? You have to pick one. And 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 the question for the the Christian who struggles with same-sex attraction is, what term for non-straight are they allowed to use? But we're talking. Because but, that's what they're talking about. But they're no, not but, talking but they, about sin. But that's the problem, though. Is they're I, talking about fallenness. But actually, it is a sin. It is a sin. To, to not identify with the biological sex and orientation that, that God, God assigned you at your birth. It is a sin not to embrace that. Now, we recognize that people truly do struggle with temptation Absolutely. not to submit to it. But to identify in any way with a culture that is trying to say that there's something other than male and female is what God created us and therefore gave us an orientation by our biological creation, that is a sin. It's a sin to reject that. God told us what direction to go in the beginning. Okay, so I'll jump in here there if you're not going to say anything. <laughs> so here, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just flabbergasted that somebody would actually say that the, 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 the fallen condition itself is a sin. Uh, that, that's what I'm hearing. The fallen condition. Well, is that, is that said, original fallen, sin? No, that's called fallen, it's called original sin. Yeah. We 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 confess the sins are actual sins and our sinful condition. That's called sin. Yeah, but but the person who needs to be confessing that is is all of us. Amen. See somebody struggling with same sex attraction, understand that that is a result of our sin in Adam as our federal head. Yeah. And therefore, we are all responsible for that, and that is washed when one becomes a Christian. Amen. So then why identify then as that anymore? You're not that. You're not that anymore. Why identify that way? Right. You can't have it both ways. Either the condition let is me, washed away me, or not. Let me, let, me, let me offer an alternative language. Okay. That, that, because... You talk a lot about identity. The word identity is actually not in the Bible. It is a, a late modern construct. Um, Neither is gay, but, but sodomite the, is. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's a useful term, but uh, the biblical term would be calling or vocation. I'm glad we want to use biblical terms. Let's do it. Let's use biblical we all terms. We have a calling. Yes. Um, and for some, that calling is to glorify God in a really difficult, empty-feeling marriage. For some, it's to glorify God when they have cancer. For some, it's to glorify God 
with same-sex attraction. Unwanted same-sex attraction. And they, re- they glorify God, though, by, by repenting of by it. By fighting it. By repenting by of it, it. By killing it. Well, it definitely has to be mortified, like, like every, other, every other temptation. But, um, you know, what I keep hearing, what I'm, what I'm hearing, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Please tell me if I'm wrong. You're wrong. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I'm hearing is you saying that, oh, they can change their orientation, even though orientation itself is a problematic concept. It is. But, uh, you know, it's the reality biblical. is that... Um, Why wouldn't we think that, though? Know, orientation generally does not change. It's very rare. Does it, does actually, the Holy that, actually that's not true. Actually, that's not true. That's actually a lie. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, talk about the way our culture has been um, brainwashing us. Yeah. That's not true, actually. I mean, so. the actual science and actual people who are working with people who have been tempted hom- to homosexuality, um, it, it's just not true that orientation is something that is is stuck in us in a way that, that can't be changed, that can't be um, uh, repented of. And, and, which, and here's means, the, which means the gospel wouldn't have an impact here on this earth. If I can't right. repent of my orientation, that right. means the gospel is going to be ineffective. But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I was, here's the verse that I would go to as a really simple verse. Everybody actually is born with an orientation and it's tied to your biology absolutely that's the only orientation there is it says but from the beginning of creation this is this is mark 10 but from the beginning of the creation god made them male and female for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall be one flesh so then they are no more two but one flesh okay that's the deal from the beginning. From the beginning, God creates us all, male and female, and for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife. That's the only orientation there is. There, all, the other so-called orientations are just sinful. They're lies, they're perversions, they're vile affections, they're abominations, but this is, this is the orientation we're all actually created with, and I, I actually agree with your point about vocation, Greg. I think that's actually right, but the problem is, is I think that you're opening that, that word up to mean far more than the Bible actually allows for. The vocation that each one of us, every one of us is given is either male or female. That's it. There's only two options, yeah. and you check that box. You look down, and you know what box yeah. to check. That's it. And, and then you know what your orientation is. What's that? Let me explain how you're wrong, because the, the fall has affected all of this. Sure. Um, but Jesus knew that. The first Gentile convert, when Jesus decided who's going to be the first true, absolute Gentile to come to faith, he chose an African man who had had his genitalia removed. Yep. Uh, yep. Jesus said, you know, some are, some are eunuchs because they're born that way. That would be a biological intersex. That was the first some Gentile convert? Because they're made that way by maybe, man. Rahab, that, maybe? that would be the eunuch. <laughs> And some choose that for the kingdom. But, uh, you know, here you're dealing with a man who is sexually disordered through no fault of his own. He has been mutilated. But it's, but it's objective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, and, it's it's and, an objective and thing, here, though. Yeah, and nobody with Revoice is trying to say that, that orientation is an essential part of human identity. None of them are saying it's ontological. They have different ways of talking about it. You but are, but you are. You've got a man whose who's experience of sexuality and of family is going to be radically different from everyone else on account of the fall. Now, there are others who fit that kind of description that because of the fall, their experience is going to be very, very different. They're called to the same self-sacrificial obedience. Yeah, their challenges are going to be very different, all that stuff. Sure. But that, but that relativism... Is is but, does not but, negate the truth but, of God's word, and and that's that's the trouble, Greg. Is that I think what you're doing though is is your it isn't objective. If you have a eunuch who has had his genitalia removed, then there you are, and you're right. You have to you have to deal with the objectivity of the case that you're in. But he's still called to live like a man. Yeah, he must be a man. He's not something. He's not non-straight. He's a man, yes. and yeah. he must live as a man to the best of his ability. Now you're right. He may yeah, not be able to get married or bear children. Brothers are men too. Say that again. My non-straight brothers are men, too. Right, but they should not be saying they're non-straight. Right. That's disobedience. And they should be seeking to live as a man lives, not celibacy. You used the analogy earlier when you were talking about someone with cancer. And when someone has surgery and God blesses it and the cancer is removed, that person doesn't go around saying that they still identify as someone who has cancer. 
Yeah. Right. It's been removed. They define as a cancer survivor. You know, they may be dealing with right. You know, sure. It, it may be in remission. A- absolutely. Right. But they're not going to bring the you know cancer culture into into the New Jerusalem. They're not celebrating any aspect of it. No. Well, no, but but what comes into the the New Jerusalem? I mean, when you look at the racist, you know, white supremacist culture of the American South, you ask what tribute. Could these people bring? Well, they're racist. They're sinners. No, they'll, they'll, they'll bring barbecue, but they won't bring their racism. Right? Yeah, <laughs> they're going to yeah. bring barbecue. But, <laughs> but as image bearers of God, they have created things that, even if they don't want to acknowledge it, nevertheless indicate the image of God. The, their, oh. their racism has to die. But but you know, Greg, actually, we agree, we agree, we agree on that though. But but it's it's not the sin though. It's not the sin though that's creating those things. It's right. not the sin creating those things. It's despite the sin. That God's working through them. Yes, and and when you look at you know, you know, uh, gay community of the nineteenth and what twentieth and twenty first century, um, you know there is you know a, a, what's called queer culture, which speaks to the art and the music that came from that community. Now these people are made in God's image, and there's some really great music and some amazing art that 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 those who have left that lifestyle may bring into the heavenly Jerusalem an offer and missiologically understanding even some of those, you know, values within that community that that do reflect the image of God. Sure, Hitler's doctors contributed to scientific development. <laughs> there will be things that Germans bring in and offer as tribute to the Lord Jesus. Uh, it will be the Christians who and and they will be washed but not their gas chambers yeah in, in jude right in jude it says it says this uh, let me just ask you what you think what does this look like um when it says um that we are to um it, it's in the context of actually describing sodom and gomorrah talking about their fornications talking about going after strange flesh it's in that context um that it says um save others with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garment that's been stained by the flesh it seems to me that when we're talking about high-handed abominations vile affections perversions these degrading passions again going all the way back to sodom and gomorrah and recognizing that there was lots of other sin going on in sodom and gomorrah besides homosexual sodomy um but nevertheless you know Lot's wife was turned to salt because she looked back. Yeah. Um, here it says, pull him out of the fire and hate the garment stained by the flesh. Not celebrate the garment, hate it. Um, how is Revoice hating the garment stained by the flesh of sodomy? Yeah, the way it's doing it is by helping brothers and sisters in Jesus who are committed to walking with God figure out how to actually thrive spiritually, relationally, within churches that hold to Scripture. Uh, that is helping them mortify the flesh. You know, you, 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 you have to have intimacy. You can live without sex. You cannot live without intimacy. And, and that's what this, this, this conference is, let, is let really me ask, about. I mean, we as, we, we as the church have really, I think, failed our sons and daughters for, for decades by not preparing them. To, to deal with unwanted sexual attraction. But, you know, but we've Greg... tolerated off-color jokes. Oh, hear me out. We've, we've, we've tolerated off-color jokes at their expense. We shame them when they're already feeling their own shame from their brokenness. We don't hear testimonies of believers who have fought this fight faithfully. We That's don't give true. them a positive vision for what it looks like to glorify God when their calling is, is to face a long, hard battle with same-sex attraction. And I think as a result, we, we've driven some of our sons and daughters into the arms of unbelievers. But Greg, and what I, we want to do with I, I don't think the Holy Spirit is, is that weak, to be honest with way. you. Greg, I, I understand the intention, and the thing is is that what I, I see this conference and, what, and everything that you've said here today has only solidified for me the conviction that what you are doing and what Revoice is doing is actually doing the very thing that you say you're not trying to do. You're actually inviting these children into a place where they will be absolutely unsafe. You're actually creating a place, a space for them where now they will identify in some fashion, some measure with gay culture, Mm. gay identity in which you're making them um, victims, targets 
for the broader culture that is ready and willing to grab them. Um, I, I, I think that you're, I, I know that you mean well. I think that you and the other people want to help. But what you're actually doing is you're creating a space for these people not to actually leave that behind. You're, you're creating a space in which they they can stay there, um, sort of repenting, kind of repenting, but still holding on to some elements of this culture and this way of life. And it's, it's, this is, this is, um, this is wicked. It's absolutely wicked what you're doing. And, and I, I know that, um, I know that it's, uh, you know, uh, it's startling to put it that way. Um, and, but I, I would not be your friend across the airwaves if I did not tell you that you are doing something that is horrible, mm-hmm. that is wicked. And, and I, I, I don't know how else to, to frame it for you, but just to say that to, to wave this flag, um, I, I know you're trying to hold these things together, but it's, they're not, they're not compatible. You can't hold these things together. Um, it, it needs to be a clear articulation of the abomination, the perversion, the vile passions, the degrading desires. It needs to be a clear articulation that it is shameful. And then in that context, call these people to complete repentance and the complete healing and the complete washing of the gospel. Amen. And yeah. and you're not doing that, Greg. You're not doing that. Toby, I will I will hear you say that. If you then turn around and do the same thing for the overeaters in your church, I want to see the oh, he's, he's done that and more. He's done that with pink hair. Comparing them, no, 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 comparing no, no. them to 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 pedophiles because they're doing something with their mouth and their body that was never intended and that is disordered. It uh, is you know, disordered. You doing that with slander? Um, it, no, 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 you know, no, no, I, no. I heard you. You know, I, I I heard you guys talking about spiritual friendship. And suggesting that 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 you know Ron and Wes are promoting a kind of pseudo marriage, uh, sexless marriage between two same sex attracted people, mm-hmm. uh, which they have not said that ever. But they have. No, two weeks ago, Ron Belgal posted uh, it's his his honest question for Denny Burke. He writes this. He says nothing in what Wesley Hill or I have written presupposes. That the kind of friendship we are talking about will be between two same-sex attracted men. Right. Wes has written about his friendship with a married couple, and I have written about friendship with straight friends. Right. Uh, they are not advocating, you know, a, a kind of sexless marriage. What they're advocating is Christians struggling with sexual sin, developing friendships, yeah. committed friendships with. That, that are not sexual, not romantic, and and I think that's a beautiful thing because I think, frankly, all of us need that. Well, and, and actually, Greg, I, I agree with you. I actually agree with you on on it. The, my my problem, my concern, though, is that you're not being clear on what it doesn't mean. And so I actually agree with you that, yes, every one of us needs friendship. Every one of us needs community. I mean, so much of what drives um, homosexual um, temptation and sin is is fatherlessness and and lack of having brothers and fathers who have loved us and been our friends and, and so on. So I actually agree with that point. But the thing that I hate is that you're not being clear about what it doesn't mean. And so what needs to happen is it, you, it needs Ron and Wes and you and others need to come out and say, it does not mean that two men are cuddling on a couch, that two men are having long embraces and holding looking, hands and holding hands. It does not mean taking a vow to live together forever, though we're not having sex, but we might adopt children. That if you come out, I don't know that they could be a whole lot clearer than what I just read. No, but Ron has said. Ron actually has said though that he hopes for, longs for, prays for having a relationship with a man where they would share a home, where they would adopt children, where they would um, go on vacations together, and where they would grow old together without having sex. And I'm, I'm just there's he. That's wrong. That that's he's trying to substitute marriage culture. Um, and, and those still saying it's not marriage and it's not, it doesn't have to be this way. If he came out and said, this can't be between two same sex attractive men though. Say that again. I didn't hear that. Well, he says that he's not talking about 
practice between two same-sex attracted men. Right, but he's importing all of a marriage culture Wait, I, into a friendship. That's not friend. That's not a normal friendship. That's a disordered friendship. No, no, my no, whole my no. whole point though is that what you're doing by not being clear about what this doesn't mean, you're actually infecting real friendship. And so the thing is, is I actually that's want right. to preserve real friendship. Men need good friends. I am 100% behind you. I got some you. good friends. We ain't holding uh, hands or trying to adopt no we kids are together. Good, <laughs> good friends. Iron sharpens iron. Absolutely amen. But by not being clear about what it doesn't mean, you're in, you're allowing people who want to import other things, gay things into it, that's right. which is infecting real friendship. That's evil. And that's ultimately what it means to be pastoral. Right. That, that's the... Well, what, I've, what I've shared with, with same-sex attracted members in our, our church who are, who are not in in marriages, uh, in heterosexual marriages, is, is that you know, in, in general, if you wouldn't be doing something with your ugly friend, you shouldn't be doing it with your good-looking friend. Uh, that's crossing the line. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my concern here is, is, is for the gospel. When you tell somebody... So is ours. So is ours. <laughs> that when you tell them to, to, that, that they should be feeling, you know, massive guilt and shame over their orientation and they need to repent of that how do you repent of an orientation how do you repent the same way we all repent the same way we all repent we're all born in sin we're all born with the orientation and we have to repent of that sin we hate god we hate one another sure that's 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 the human condition right and we repent of that okay but okay so let's say adam okay I'll tell you, you tell you a story about uh, uh, Nate, who is the, the we're Nate actually Collins. the host church, he's yeah. the sponsor yeah. of the conference. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Nate is uh, in, he, he's wrestled with same-sex attraction his whole life. He is in a marriage to, he, he, he fell in love with his best friend. Imagine uh, that. She, and, and he and her, he and she got married. They've got three sons now. Praise God. She is the only woman he is sexually attracted to. Mm. Kind of how it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. That to me sounds like what Adam would have had had he not fallen. Now, if it is fallen for you to find other women sexually attractive, okay, I understand how you repent of lusting after them. I don't understand how you repent of being attracted to women other than your wife. Well, well, for one, heterosexuals don't need to be repent of being attracted <laughs> because, to oh, another that's woman. Natural. Because well, that, we, that's how God made the world. What we Greg. need to repent is being um, lustful over. If, if other I'm women. attracted to an animal, that's immediately how, simple. How do you know that? If if did God make you to Leviticus 18 uh, 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 <laughs> to find? Other other women sexually attractive. I don't know. But, we only know the fallenness of this world. No, no. But we have. But we would look back at Mark ten, Greg, and we would say, "Look, God created them male and female. Therefore, that's our orientation. That's nat. That's a natural orientation. And anybody who does not have that orientation needs to repent You're, and pray to God it, that they would change and have that orientation. Yeah. If 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 a person is, it, what happens when that doesn't happen? You, you you go to the Lord again. Well, you I, got, got, but I, the Holy Spirit the is far thing, more powerful well, well, than any sin, orientation, all the or rest of the in my sin. life. I, I think it's important to remember what happened with Nate Collins, though. He started hanging out with a woman, found out he had a great friendship with her, and became attracted to her, which he didn't think that would happen. Well, imagine that if we stop pushing men to have friendships with just other men and say, hey, why don't you do what you're supposed to do, which is have a relationship mm. with a woman. Imagine if that connection started to develop because you were doing the things that God called you to do. Maybe if the if we start doing what God calls to do, the the attitude and right. the energy would come along with that. But instead, we're pushing men to have relationships according to their attractions. It's like, no, no, no. God hasn't called you that way. He's called you to be a man, to be attracted to a woman. Hang out. Learn to enjoy a woman. Develop a friendship like Nate actually did. Mm. And maybe you'll find a wife you will marry. Oh. Yeah, most most gay men actually have a lot of friendships with with. But but, <laughs> right, but, there's, but there's a Talking difference about twisting. But there's a difference between yeah. submitting to God, even with your temptations, and saying, "God, I, you have made me a man, and therefore I'm going to submit to you with all that I am, and I'm going to obey Christ, and I'm going to seek a wife." To the best of my ability, there's a difference between that and just saying I'm a I'm a gay Christian with a lot of uh, you know women friends. That, yeah. that, that's that's settling for less than that's the right. gospel calls us to. 
at settling for less than the gospel calls us to. And, and the thing that, you know, I, you know, my wife listened to the Nate Collins, Nate Collins was interviewed by yeah, our friends, theologians. And, and the thing that, the thing that my, my wife came away just saying, you know, is, I mean, I mean, she, she said, you know, it, you know, he, he's talking about being gay while being married. Mm. And she said, if, if you came to me and said, I love you and you're pretty beautiful, but sometimes I, you know, I am attracted to someone else. She said, I would utterly despise you. I would utterly despise you. And she would have every right to do that mm. because it's, it would, it's, I, I don't understand. I mean, I've not had a chance to meet Nate and I don't have a chance to talk to him yet. But if I had him on the phone, if I had him in person, I would say, Nate, for the love of God, for the love of your wife, for the love of your children, do stop talking this way. You are doing inconceivable damage to them. Mm. Um, you are dragging them through the mud of what Jesus died for. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, Proverbs says, be continually satisfied with your wife of your youth. Yeah. Right. We have, it doesn't it doesn't matter what the sin may be. We have absolutely no right to our sin. We have no right to our sin. And Nate has no right to 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 do that to his wife and to his boys. Yeah. He's harming them. I mean, talk about child abuse. Wow. <laughs> hey Greg, can I ask you a question? Well, I, you want to talk about who's harming people. I mean, you're talking about my friends, understand? I know. You know, what about all of the people who are looking at this revoice.xyz website you've done, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think it's like when, when you're struggling with same-sex attraction, you already feel all this shame, and then to look at a website that a Christian pastor's put together that is, uh, you know, mocking you and, and, and insulting you, and... Uh, actually, no, you know, actually, you got, you got that part wrong. It's actually, it's actually mocking you. See, you got that wrong. See, we're not mocking them necessarily. And they should have a, a righteous form of shame. But we're mocking you that you're actually healing the wounds lightly. See, that you're not actually yeah. healing the wounds completely. And so the mock is actually against you and Nate Collins and the Revoice Conference. The homosexual, we say, there is a way for you to be healed, and these guys are not going to heal you. And that's, the way that- and that's why I wrote the blog post that's attached to it, because we wanted to make that clear. We want to make that absolutely clear. We are we are mocking this conference. Yes. Um, just like Jesus mocked the Pharisees because the Pharisees were doing evil in the name of good. And that's what we believe that you're doing. And at the same time, we know that Jesus died for everyone who is tempted to Amen. or has committed homosexual sin. Amen. Jesus died to make them clean. Right. And our whole point is to say that you're healing this wound lightly, but Jesus died to heal it completely. Mm. And that's what the blog post says. Yeah, well, uh, I, I'm hearing you guys, um, but understand what Jesus said to those Pharisees. He, he said the pimps and the prostitutes are in, entering the kingdom ahead of you. Amen. Yep. You know, when you see a sinful woman fall at Jesus' feet, and she is pouring her perfume <laughs> on him and, and cleaning him with her tears, uh, you know, I don't think there's a better picture for the Christian with their same-sex attraction than that, but that woman. But he says, he says, go and sin no more. Yes. He doesn't say bring some of that prostitute culture with you. He says go and sin no more. And that pimper prostitute does not want to be identified as a pimper prostitute anymore. They want to be identified as a person who is sanctified by the Forgiven, blood of Jesus. Yeah. Clean. Yeah, that- but you're you're not giving these brothers any term that they can use to describe this experience of, of, of their disordered affection. No, but, what we but, want to give them is terminology that they can use to repent. But why not do, terminology that they can kind of hang on to their to the rags. And, and and Greg, we don't do this though with any other sin. Why are we not worried about then you know not giving enough I'm not ter- giving a racist something to, he can hang terminology on to. to a racist <laughs> you know, you know, or, to a porn addict or any alcoholic, any of these or things. overeaters or alcoholics yeah, 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 but, slanderers. Yeah, but, we, but 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 they just, can an alcoholic can still say that they're an alcoholic. No, they can't. They shouldn't but they're not an alcoholic anymore. But Greg, if they're still alcoholic, they need to be in church discipline. They're not alcoholics anymore. Well, that's that's where we probably disagree. Well, that's that's right because if but a person came to me and said, "Hey, you know, I'm an alcoholic," it's like, "Hey, brother, listen. If you've been redeemed, you are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Yep. You can kiss that identity to alcoholism away. Identify later. yourself as a Christian believer who was sanctified from the sin of alcoholism. No, but I'm really an alcoholic. No, no, I am a Christian believer, but you know, I'm also still a sinner. I'm not a sinner American. But that's not your I'm identity. That is not your identity. Your identity is under the blood of Jesus Christ. So, yeah, yeah but, but I don't hear any you, of these people claiming gay identity. 
I hear them identifying. I don't hear them building their identity. Those are all identities. There's a huge difference. You know, there's a massive difference. Somebody can identify as a divorcee. Okay, that's that's no, identifying with their it. sin, but that's just saying this is part of my story. But why don't nobody ident- does that? Nobody. Why, why nobody identifies as sodomite? Yeah, why why not? Why why not? Why don't you put sodomite on the web page? Yeah, well, let's let's get some words for your sin too. Well, uh, I'm, you know, I'm hearing your righteousness. You should. No, 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 no. So you don't get to do that. <laughs> you don't get. That's not how it works. See, look, if you if you want to say let's be biblical and just use biblical terms, let's get rid of the gay thing and just use sodomite. Is, is that okay? I mean, I, and 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 we do call. And we've been calling every. Wait, hold on one second. We've been calling every sin by the book: racism, alcoholism, pedophile. obesity. Pedophile, and, and then all of a sudden you start getting sensitive when we start saying sodomite. We are calling all these other sins by their sin. How about anger? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Rage. But, anger, but hold on, wait, 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 wait. No, anger is not a sin necessarily. How the anger is righteous anger towards what you're doing to, to uh, uh, especially a baby Christian who is dealing with this sin. Right. Like righteous anger to that is a righteous thing. So Jesus, anger, Jesus saw the hardness of heart of the Pharisees, and it says that he was angry. So, and so he healed the man with the withered hand, right? There's a godly anger, right? And and so yeah, I and, there's, there's a godly anger, but but what I'm hearing is you, what I'm hearing is 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 you judging brothers for not repenting of something that can't be repented of. You can whoa, you can whoa, resist whoa, whoa. it, but it can be resisted. See, that's the you problem can, right you, there. You, you know, you can. That's you the can, problem. You, can't, you know, to to say that you need to like. Because that's assuming it's volitional, you know. With no, with it's not. It's actually you know, the not. Way, it's the not. Way. It's not, Greg. Because we, we again we're back to the original sin. It, original right. sin is not volitional. We understand that original sin is in our bones, and every one of us has it. And yet we're still called to utterly repudiate it, to kill it, to mortify it. Yeah. And 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 to repent. Of and it. we talk to everybody like this. We're not being. We're not pushing a special thing. Doing just that. Say that again. I, I see these brothers doing just that. They are choosing a very costly obedience. They're paying more than a tithe to follow Jesus. They're doing it no more than anybody else. Deed, trying to honor God. But um, they still have a term. Some of them. Some of them say it's same-sex attraction. Some of them say it's 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 an orientation that's gay. But, um, but Greg, they're what? not building their. They're not giving it equal billing with Christian. Let me ask you this way. You said you're asking us to repent of something. You're asking them to repent of something that they can't repent of. What is that? That's a, what is that? What can't they repent of? An, an attraction. But, but the, <laughs> you can repent of a lust because that's a choice. Why but can't can you, you repent of an attraction? But why can't you? If my attraction is to little kids, I better be repenting of that. Now, what you do there is you you mortify that. That's right. That's repentance. That's repentance. Isn't, isn't that repentance? You're a PhD. You know that. Mortify. Well, to mortify something is you know it's it's the difference between Jesus says, "Do not lead us into temptation and forgive us our debts." You ask forgiveness for a sin, for an action, a word, a thought, a deed, a choice. It's not what John Owen would argue. Yeah, that was John Owen, mortification <laughs> yeah. of yeah. sin, yeah. of sin. I agree with John Owen on that. To, to All sin should morti- be mortified. Mortify literally means kill, put to death. Well, let's, your- let's put it a better way. What what sin shouldn't we mortify? What's that? What sin shouldn't we mortify? We should mortify all sin. Okay, well then there we go. So yeah, yeah. I mean, even non volitional sin. We should kill. We should kill in every way. <laughs> Non-volitional sins don't exist. Okay, but you just said, but you, you just, just said, said attraction to same-sex attraction, same-sex lust. You're saying it is a non-volitional sort of state of being, and they can't yes. repent of that. But it's sinful. Okay, <laughs> that's what you're saying. Yeah. I'm glad you agree with that. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. He, he came around. <laughs> Good job, Greg. So, no, no, I, I think we're using different language here. Um, but you know, like, I, like, I think so too. Let me, let me clarify something. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Brother. All of the speakers with free voice agree. Um, you know, you've you've been pretty clear that they agree. You know that that homosexual behavior is inappropriate, unaccepted sin. Is it an abomination? Yeah, it's the kind of thing that can keep you out of heaven. Hey, wait, wait. Are you allowed to say that word? 
Uh, yeah, that's actually in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Still haven't heard you say it. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but you know, uh, there are a lot of other sins that are also in the Bible that, that religious leaders like us tend to fall into very quickly. Amen. I, I agree. Sure. And we need to repent of that. And we need to mortify it. Like what? Yeah, mortify that lack of gentleness. Well, no, no, no. Not but, from the Lord. Was Jesus being gentle in but, Roman and uh, Matthew 23? Uh, well, you picked the one example in which he he overturned the tables, um, but uh, that was you're Matthew not Jesus, and this ain't and this ain't your temple, um, and so I, I don't I, know that. I wasn't why. picking the table example. I was taking picking Matthew twenty three when he ripped into the scribes and Pharisees. Was he being gentle with them? Uh, no, he he was especially not gentle with religious leaders. Sometimes, right? So Greg, gentle can uh, be and 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 Greg. Just to be clear, I mean you're a religious leader too. Yeah, that's right. And and I and I guess I mean, just to be you know you know I I would want you I, I you know Jesus is clear with the measure you measure will be measured back to you. Um, and so we need to be very very careful. And I I do want to say clearly that. Um, if if we're being unbiblical, I yeah. want to be called on it. Amen. And I would want you to call me on it. That's right. Just like I've called you on it. Um, at the same time, you are a religious leader, and that's why we're we're being as hard on you as we are being. Um, but the fact is that again, this conference is doing great harm. You are doing great harm to the church. You are doing great harm to to children growing up in the church who are experiencing these temptations and have even fallen into this sin. Yeah. Um, you're, th- there, this conference is clearly not identifying this sin um, as an abomination, a perversion, a vile affection, degrading passion. It's not identifying the shame of it clearly, and it's not. They a- know the shame of it already. They experience it every day, and yet you still want to be identified with it. That's what's amazing. Yeah. How do you how do you be so shameful of the sin, and yet I want to be identified this way? It doesn't work like that. I don't want to be. I, if, a, if a, distinguishing, I'm sorry, They're making so, distinctions that you're not making though. Uh, you know, when somebody talks about same sex attraction, they're distinguishing no, that from what they're trying to the do is separate the act from they're trying to separate the act from a culture, and it's not possible. That's what they're trying to do. And well, if, they're, they're trying to separate the act from the orientation. But you can't get away. It doesn't happen like that. But, but the thing you that can't I, do that with adultery. It, you can't do that racism. You can't it, separate the the, the it, noun from the the adjective from the action. It's it's like it's it's sort of like the proverbial. You know, I, you know, we live in a college town. We have college kids. You know, I pastor college kids all the time, and the guys come in and say, "I'm you know I'm struggling with porn." You know, and and like the last thing you want to do is have a bunch of nineteen-year-old guys having an accountability group for their porn problem <laughs> by themselves. You know that, though, Greg. <laughs> I mean, like you know, I mean, what does it do? It it actually usually typically feeds the problem. Yeah. What you need to do is you need to have uh, you know a young man accountable to an older man, or you know have you know say like next time it happens you have to tell your mom. That's you know, right. It, it needs to be the, the stakes need to be high. The shame needs to be clear. That's right. But when you get a bunch of people together, you're inviting a certain kind of acceptance of this. It's a certain. It's I understand that you're you're trying to say we're going to stick with scripture, but scripture says that even effeminacy. Yeah. is a sin that will keep people out of heaven. That's right. And we preach against that, too. So, Greg, wait, wait one second. That, I want to ask you a question, and I want to let you respond. What, say that again? That effeminacy. Uh, you're talking about 1 Corinthians 6? Yeah, yeah. Malikos. Yeah. Malakoi. Yes. That's, that, that's, that's a sexual act. That's, that's being, to lack of a better term, the bottom half. Of of the the sexual relationship, actually, it doesn't actually, just refer to actually, that. Actually, it means more than that, yeah. Greg. It, the word means soft. Yeah, it means cowardly. Yeah. Um, John the Baptist, he you know he talks. Jesus says that you, did you expect to see a man in you know wearing soft clothes in a, in a king's palace? And yeah. the word is used in the Septuagint to describe cowards. Um, men who are not acting like men, and and that's you know that's been established by Greek scholars. It means more than just the passive partner in a homosexual union. It talks. About, it's, it, it can also refer to your way of being. So, and, and and that's that that's what gay culture is. It's a feminine culture that needs to be repented of. Yeah, I want to wrap this up real quick, and Greg, I'll give you a chance to speak in just a second because I'm very grateful that you decided to come on the show and play yeah. the man in this. That's, yeah, it's, yeah. Amen. We, we, we appreciate that, brother. Amen. Seriously, and coming to this family meeting. But before we go, I want to ask you a question, Greg. Are you gay? <laughs> are you asking me out on a date? No, I I just want to know. I just want to know how you identify. <laughs> That would be disgusting, actually. If you, yeah. you want to know about my sexual brokenness, uh, I am happy to talk to you about what I talked about in the pulpit two weeks ago, yeah. and that 
I think is relevant to this conversation. Yeah. I am a pornography addict. Okay. I have had a pornography addiction for 15 years. Uh, mm. Actually, 18. Are you still doing pornography, Greg? No, I haven't for 15 years. Mm. So you're not an addict. So you're not an addict anymore. Yeah. Oh, but I know what it does inside of me. See, I know that if I look at one image, I'm going to look at a thousand. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not going to come up for air for, for, for hours. Mm-hmm. So you don't? Not my identity. My identity is in Christ. So, but so I have a pornography addiction that after 15 years of sobriety, actively putting it to death, disciplining my mind, yeah. disciplining you know what I think about. I have an accountability partner, an elder that I've met every Thursday for 15 years. Yeah. He gets the Covenant Eyes report. Mm-hmm. 15 years in, mm-hmm. I am still a pornography addict. No, no, you're, no, not. you're not. No, you're not. I am. <laughs> no, you're that's not, Greg. Mean, Greg. That's what it means to be set this free, man. This is exactly man. what we're talking that's about. That's what it means to be set free by the blood of Jesus, and that repentance is happening, and the Holy Spirit's working in your life. That's you're, what sanctification is, You're man. misusing the word addict. You're misusing the word addict. Still there. I'm, I'm sober, but it that that impulse, it has not gone away. But you've killed yet, it. yet what I want people to you, hear... You kill it and are uh, killing it. I am still killing it. I am still yeah, mortifying that's right. it. That's right. Absolutely. Every day until I die, Lord willing. Amen. Uh, and what I see are brothers and sisters in Jesus who are, who are doing the same kind of thing with their disordered sexual impulses, their disordered sexuality, trying to be faithful. And, okay, we have this disagreement over whether or not you can use a descriptor of your of your sexual brokenness or of your sin whether you can still use that after you have forsaken it as you are putting it to death i tend to think that's fine um you know paul calls gentile christians he still calls them gentiles even though they're united to israel through through christ um gentile no, he calls men them, he calls them. <laughs> men dirty it meant idolatrous it wasn't just an ethnic difference he identifies them as the real jews <laughs> And, uh, and so even though they are now engrafted into Israel through Jesus, um, they're still Gentiles at the same time, even though in Christ there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's a complexity of language here. And what we see, what our presbytery saw with, with West Hill and with Rosaria, we saw two ways of describing things that we thought either one could be coming from a, a good heart, and either one could be a healthy way of looking at it, and, and we're mm-hmm. not going to judge over that. We're not going to make an issue of that, yeah. because what we want is the gospel to be clear, because Jesus loves sinners, uh, you know, and, and when your heart is captivated by the gospel, when you know that you are loved, when you know that you have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that Jesus' resume has been credited to you, that you now know that, that before God, you fed the 5,000, and you raised Lazarus from the dead, and you always did what pleased the Father, because you're in Christ, and he did all of that. When you start building your identity on that, and you, you realize, though, that, that you're so bad that Jesus had to die for you, yeah. you, know, you stop categorizing people as good or evil, you quit arguing over, 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 over everything, because you, you've given up any moral high ground, because I'm so bad that Jesus had to die for me. Yeah. It means I know I'm always the biggest sinner around the table today. I'm the biggest sinner in this conversation, That's, and I'm okay with that, yeah. because I have been loved by Jesus. Well, and, and, and Greg, I, I just want you to... Savior. Yeah. Uh, and, Amen. And that's what I want everybody who comes to Revoice to know. Yeah. And I just want to, I want you to remind you that you brought up Lazarus. It would have been insulting for Lazarus to consider himself still a dead man after he's been raised from the dead. So I just want to point that out. Yeah, I, I think the, the trouble the trouble is is that what you've just said is is um, is is very muddled, um, it, you know. And and I, I I say that with all the respect and my heart and love for you as a brother. Um, and it, but it's it's a real shame um, that you're an ordained minister and you are not able to make some very important distinctions. Um, you you have um, explained the gospel um, in part. Um, and it sounds humble, but what you're doing is actually extremely arrogant um, because when Jesus actually saves us, you're right, there's still a sinful nature that stays within us and so forth. Um, but the Bible has no problem declaring that there are good and evil men. You said you, there's no such thing as good and evil. No, that's not true. Throughout the Bible, there are good men and there are evil men. That's right. And yes, God only saves evil men. 
and he makes them good. Mm. And yes, the sin nature remains in us that must be mortified and killed until glory. Amen. But you have become in Christ his his righteous people, his good people. When you sing the Psalms, um, the righteous are, we are the righteous. We are the good, not of ourselves. No. It is only a gift of God. It's an yeah. alien righteousness, but it's a true righteousness. And, and so, I mean, I just, I know we've used way more of your time. Yeah. Thank you for And, <laughs> and I just, I want to end by just saying, first of all, thank you very much, Greg. You yeah. are a kind man, uh, to come on here. Um, you're, uh, I really do appreciate it. And I put pre- up with us. Put up with us. <laughs> um, and I, and I respect that. I really do. Yeah. Um, absolutely. and I appreciate that greatly. I really do. Um, and at the same time, what I want to end with is I, I honestly, I mean, I, I know this is this is maybe crazy sounding, but we're uh, crazy over here. But we're crazy, <laughs> and and I I want to ask you honestly to go to your elders and ask them to cancel the conference mm. because I don't think you understand what you're doing. Yeah, and and I'm I know I'm just some some Christian wahoo from North Idaho, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you that this is doing inconceivable harm to your church to the people that are going to attend and to your denomination, but not only that, to the body of Christ here in this country. And I, and I, and I know it's insane, but I want to ask you as a brother to go to your elders and ask them to cancel this yeah, conference. Amen. We plead with you to do that. Would bro. you please do that? Yeah, we're not going to do that. Uh, these are our brothers and our sisters. And uh, I understand that, you know, it was very easy for Peter when the Judaizers said, you know, you can't, you can't eat with these Gentiles. Uh, it was very easy for him to give in and say, okay, then, I won't do it. But what Paul told him is what you are doing is not in line with the gospel. Right. And so we're going to do what's in line with the gospel. And, mm, and that's you know, new, will this wow. conference succeed? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I will not, I agree but... with everything that happens at it? Probably not. Yeah. They don't agree with each other. They have all different kinds of perspectives. Yeah. But... Uh, but there's only one true perspective that matters. Yeah. Well, again, we do appreciate. Uh, well, we're hoping that they're all getting closer to scripture. That's that's what matters. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for your time. Thank you for your honesty. Uh, thank you for putting up with us, and uh, and we we are we are praying uh, that you come to a better understanding and um, and that you repent of this. And so, thank you, Greg, for putting up yeah. with us. H- hold on, Greg. Before we before uh, don't hang up. We're going to end this segment and want to talk to you for a second. More cross politic when we come back, or is it, is it more cross politic? I don't know. No, I'm we're lost done. in this. We're, we're done. Until yeah. yeah. next week, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh and feast. This is cross politics. Greg, hold on. <laughs>